This episode is brought to you by Trend, a marketplace where brands can source custom creative for any of their marketing needs. Need someone to make content for your ads? We got you. Need someone to make content for your own TikTok? We've got you covered too. Go to trend.io to learn more and go to trend.io slash podcast to keep up with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of DTC Pod. I'm your host, Ramon, CEO of Trend, joined by my co-host, Blaine, COO and co-founder of OmniPanel. And today we have Cody, director of e-commerce over at Jones Road. Cody, how are you? Uh, jump in. Feel free to, to share more about you know what you do at Jones Road and, and what is Jones Road. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and really excited for this chat. Would love to introduce myself. So I'm, I'm Cody. I'm director of e-commerce at Jones Road Beauty. So we are a clean beauty brand founded by Bobby Brown, who's very well known in cosmetics. And she's my mom, actually. So it's a family business. And we are about a little bit over a year old. We are like very clean, minimalistic beauty brand, really helping people and helping women to kind of you know, feel more confident in their skin and, and just embrace kind of who they are and not having to cover up. And I am director of e-commerce. So I, I wear a bunch of hats, but primarily responsible for, you know, our paid acquisition. So, you know, director of acquisition, I oversee our retention, I oversee our e-commerce. And then I, I'm involved in a few other things like our, our brand side, organic social, all, all of that stuff. That's awesome. So you guys are only uh, a year old. Is that what you, is that, is that right? Yeah, October 2020 was our our launch. So now a little bit over a year. So you guys have grown an absolute ton over the last year. And I think our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about what it's been like launching a brand in that short period of time, what the growth has looked a little bit like. So maybe, Cody, if you could start, talk to me a little bit about the formation of the brand, um, what your involvement was then, and how things have kind of gone since you guys kicked off. Yeah, of course, definitely. So. Formation of brand was essentially my mom, Bobby, was parted ways with her company that that she founded and had a non-compete. And most people would be retiring at that age, but she just didn't feel done. And she felt like she had so much that she wanted to teach and so much that, you know, she wanted to continue to do. And, you know, part of it is throughout her journey, like she, you know, has gotten super into health and became a, you know, a certified health coach. So clean beauty wasn't really a thing back then, but obviously now it's, it's much more common and people care so much about more about what they're putting on their faces and also what they're putting in their bodies. You know, so I think there was just a little bit of a challenge in there and obviously makeup and the trends are changing, but also, you know, what ingredients people care about is changing. So usually people didn't think that clean products were that good. And there was kind of a challenge of how can we make the best beauty products in the world of all products and let's just also make them clean. So that was kind of the idea and that, you know, started playing around a few years ago and kind of just came to light. And honestly, I don't think anybody thought it was going to be this big and, and the successful. Uh, we haven't raised any outside money. We're direct to consumer only. We're a very lean team, but um, doing super well, I think, because you know, obviously she has an audience and she's built up a brand over all these years, but also people are just really loving the products as well. I was kind of a little bit involved, just kind of answering questions, really didn't think I would be that involved initially, but just kind of helping them strategize, you know, again, so, some of their stuff, some of their marketing trying to figure out what the best strategy would be for their paid. And then kind of once I launched, I just couldn't help myself. I was like, hey, I think you guys should be doing this. Like you got to get search ads up. Like I noticed this, this, and this on the website. So it kind of just went and and one thing, you know, turned into another. And then here we are today. That's exactly what I was going to touch on. Like 
you know, what were you doing previously before you dove into assisting with the brand? Did you have any experience prior with e-commerce or like has the brand sort of been pushing your limits as a rapid growth that it's been having um, throughout its trajectory? I think you mentioned, you know, that, that it's been around for years. So I'm curious on if you had the experience or you're just learning in this phase of a year in rapid growth. No, that's a little bit of both. I, I was in e-commerce before I was doing like freelance media buying. So definitely my background is like a Facebook media buyer. So that was kind of my specialty. And that's kind of where they they asked me to kind of help out and initially. That was my experience before. But and I was just working mostly freelance, just helping either doing consulting or, or buying for other companies. But you know, now my role is so much outside of that. So that's really where my the rapid growth is and everything is just kind of completely new. And obviously Facebook and, and that is always changing, but everything else is super new. So it's just been a learning process and I love it, to be honest. One question that I'd have, you said you guys just got started and you have an experience in some paid social and Facebook media buying, and now you've made it over uh, to Jones Road and you, you kind of get sucked in, you guys are taking off and you want to get a little bit more involved. So the question that I would have is, as a brand, so as a brand, especially like you were saying, that already started with a little with an audience. So you started with a brand, an audience, a community, and then you're launching a product. What was the strategy there like? How did you guys actually get up and going? And what was it like going from zero to you know your start, which is obviously going to be a little bit different than a brand who may start organic growth from you know one order to two order to three order. If you already have a brand, you're in an audience. You're thinking about as soon as you hit the gates running, you you have to be able to fulfill orders and deliver products. So what was that like at the earliest stages? Yeah, of course. I think because we knew that there would be some initial demand, we had to invest for that and kind of prepare for that and start building the team versus if you're going to start things from scratch, you have to obviously do it super bootstrapped and do it super lean and maybe start fulfilling orders by yourself. But we knew that that wasn't going to be sustainable. So we had to invest ahead of time for that. And I think we knew that, you know, on day one, we hit something pretty special and pretty serious. Uh, we didn't really do any pre-launch because Bobby's non-compete was up and she just wanted, she didn't want to wait at all. So she wanted to launch it on that first day that she could, which means we, could, we couldn't announce it ahead of time. But we had some press hit that day. And, and you know, once people started talking about it, I think we knew it, that first month and that first day just surpassed expectations. And, and that's when we knew we really had something there. And so at that time, we're, and the way you guys were thinking about it, you guys were always D2C first. You were like, let's come up with the brand, let's sell direct consumer, and then we can see where things go and go from there. Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So now that you guys are a year in, you've launched some products, you've had a bunch of learnings and a lot of really fast growth. What do things look like now in the day-to-day? What are some of the things on your mind as a brand as you guys continue to grow in this space? Yeah, that's a great question. So big picture, I mean, we have some pretty aggressive growth goals. We're, we're trying to double our revenue, the, uh, what we did. And again, we, we had a, you know, a great eight-figure you know, year one, and we're trying to double. So there's some pretty lofty goals. I mean, I think the, the few things I'd say is it's not just one thing. It's not like we're just kind of scale paid. It's like we really want to do things we want to make sure we're profitable. We haven't raised money. We want to make sure we're profitable all the time. So we have to make sure that we're growing organic and paid at a pretty good ratio to each other to keep our blended CAC appropriate to where we want it to be. And you know, so that's one big concern is, yes, it's a lot easier just to be like, all right, let's scale paid and let's, let's support it. But 
we really want to make sure that we're growing things in tandem. And that's a lot harder. It might be a little bit slower, but I think it's going to pay off and be more sustainable long-term. And the other thing is obviously building the team. We're pretty lean. We're at like 12 people. And to support the size business that we want to be at, it's about obviously the size of the team. And then having just an amazing team that works well together and has superstars. So that's really the big focus this year. I'm curious, uh, you know, you come from a media buying background. And so when it comes to organic social, everything organic content, I mean, we're seeing brands like making revenue just off their YouTube channels now. So I'm curious how you attribute success to organic social. How is that measured any differently than paid media where attribution might be a lot harder to track? How do you define success with organic social? It's tough. I mean, I don't think you can look at it super direct. I think you have to just trust it a little bit, look at audience growth, look at like, yes, their vanity metrics in terms of looking at your reach and your followers. But, you know, I do think that's, that is an important thing to look at and, and having growth KPIs that you're growing five or 10% a month, I think is super important. And obviously I think if you look at it, I don't think you can look day to day and like, oh, we, we spent this much, this was our return on ad spend. But I think if you invest in it over a quarter, you obviously should see your, your overall traffic pickup. You should see your organic search, your direct and your branded search pickup as well if you're getting you know, some more brand awareness out there. And you should see your overall revenue over a quarter go, go up. What are the current efforts that Jones Road is doing when it comes to organic content? Are you guys focusing on TikTok? Are you guys repurposing content on Instagram? Is it different content? And how, do, how is that content created? Is it in-house? Do you outsource it? Is it a mix of both? Yeah, it's a mix of both. Obviously, influencers and UGC are huge, you know, especially in in beauty. I mean, on Instagram, just being able to share what our products look like on different people and obviously doing some storytelling around brand pillars as it relates to building a community. I think that's something we can do a way better job of is building a community on social, on Instagram. That's kind of our, our main focus. And I think something that we can do a way better job of. And then we're really not doing much and a good enough job on TikTok. So that's going to be a huge focus. And that's something, you know, I know you asked, like, how, how do you calculate your return on investment of organic? I mean, we're going to find out because we're going to invest quite a bit of resources into TikTok because I really think that's where the attention is. And we'll see how that plays out. That's going to be a big one. And you, as a director of e-commerce, you oversee all of this, right? So I'm curious, yeah. how many people report to you directly, given that you just touch organic social and then you also touch paid media. And I know, you know, this gets more into Blaine's side of operations here, but I'm curious on that. So our team looks like we've got one, we'll call it like a senior to manager level of like marketing operations. We are about to hire a director of influencer marketing. That's something we're hiring for right now. We just hired like a, like a, an associate manager of retention marketing. So email and SMS. We have a, you know, social associate and then a marketing coordinator. So that's kind of what our marketing team looks like right now. But we're, again, we're looking to grow upon that quite a bit. We're looking to hire, you know, another person on the media buying side, you know, somebody else to help with like our ad creative. So a growth marketing associate where they can work with content creators, work with these platforms, you know, write, write briefs, communicate with creators to, to get UGC and then work with like an editor to kind of turn that around. So we're definitely looking to grow that team, but that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I think that's really important to be able to have like a full stack team to be able to go in and help build out the community because there's so many different initiatives that you just mentioned. Like all those different parts are different parts of the business. Sure, they're all content related, but 
you know, like you're saying, managing influencer content, that's totally different than creating your own content that you're running ads through versus creating a community, et cetera, and figuring out how to tie that all together. I think that's obviously a major initiative that you guys are going to be taking on this year, coming off of the momentum of being able to spin up the brand that already has a bit of an audience and now kind of take it to the next level and drill in on all those different channels and make sure you have the right people in place to manage those as you kind of scale up. So kind of in coming off of that, what are some of the tools that you, you're relying on in your day to day in your, um, you know, as you're thinking about marketing, you know, are you guys built on Shopify? Are there any plugins that you're sort of using? What's your kind of stack look like? And what tools are you relying on to, to kind of pull off your operation? Yeah, of course, you know, got pretty uh, big tech stack, like everyone else. So we're on Shopify Plus. Absolutely love Shopify Plus. You know, we're on Klaviyo. We are on Attentive. Um, probably the biggest game changer for us has been Triple Whale. So we use Triple Whale. It's kind of our entire operating system. Uh, we use an Octane AI quiz. I love that. We run a lot of paid media through our quiz funnel. That's another one as well. That's been great. Those are kind of a few of our core ones. That's something that a lot of different brands are really thinking about right now in terms of you know getting past the iOS 14 updates and how how do you get around it. So I know you had just mentioned the Pixel by Triple Will. So what is that actually enabling? Is, is that being able to pick up an audience who's coming from from which platform and directing it back to TikTok or how's that work? Yeah, of course. So I'm not the most technical guy, so I, I will try to explain it the best I can. Essentially, what what happened is is Apple told Facebook that if somebody has opted out of tracking, and now it's most people have opted out of tracking, that Facebook is not allowed to pass that data back. So Facebook knows, right? They, they have a third-party pixel, right? The Facebook pixel, we don't own it. Facebook owns it. So that's called third-party. They can see that Ramon purchased or Blaine purchased on the website on Jones for Beauty, but they're not allowed to actually pass that back if you've opted out. It's just kind of Apple's rules. So what happens is I don't see that. I, I can see how much we spent in, in Facebook but I can't see how much we actually got from Facebook. Even though I know it's there in Shopify, I can't get that back to Facebook. So I think a lot of people think that their ROAS has gone down or their campaigns are performing so much worse. And, and they're definitely not performing as well. But if you look at your back end, a lot of the revenue is the same. It's just not showing up in Facebook. So what Triple Whale does is, is it collects that data. It's first party. So it's like a, it's like a Facebook pixel but we own the pixel, Triple Whale owns it. So it has a dashboard and it pulls in through the API all of the data from Facebook. So it'll show the Facebook reported revenue and then it can show the Triple Whale reported revenue right next to it. And I can compare that, I can, I can put that on the ad, I can put that on the ad set or the campaign so I can get real-time feedback on how that's actually performing. So it's been super helpful. So I compare them all the time. Triple Whale is usually looking quite a bit better, but that's kind of how we use it. Got it. So basically, you're able to kind of, it's kind of a bridge between that link that, you know, Apple nixed, right? So now you're able to, you're, you're able to see what's going on in Facebook, see what's going on in your first party Shopify data and kind of at least get a better idea of how things are correlating as opposed to before. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. That's super cool. Unfortunately, you know, like some competitors will say they pass that data back, like Hyro says they pass that data back, but they either don't do it or they they are breaching Apple's terms terms of service, so they're probably going to get kicked out. So unfortunately, Triple Will can't do that, and they don't claim to. But it's at least the next best thing, which is we get the data and we can see it. Awesome. That's super cool that you have some tooling to be able to at least 
you know, calculate how your spend is doing and actually make sense of it. Because I know that's something that a lot of brands are, are really thinking about, especially the ones that have really been dependent on like exclusively Facebook, Instagram ads for growth. It's kind of like getting the rug pulled out under them. So that's cool. And then right now, right, you know, like you said, you guys are doing your first year. And I, I know you mentioned influencers or a channel that you also explored. What was that like? What were some of the successful campaigns you run? Maybe what were some of the not so successful campaigns? Um, and how are you looking to rectify that as, as you guys move forward? Yeah, of course. I mean, we haven't done a lot of like pay to post. We've done a lot of seating. So I think that's something that's been super successful. I think the more we do of that, the better. Just getting our products out there, it's kind of a little bit more of like a brand awareness play. And then we've used a lot of, you know, influencers for paid social stuff. Um, just using it, you know, getting content is is really the name of the game. It's, you know, how much content can you get? And it's very expensive and time consuming to do it all in house. So it's really it's I was talking to somebody the other day who, you know, is a consultant for this, but it's like, you know, UGC is not like a an add-on thing anymore. It's really has to be an essential part of your marketing on Instagram, on TikTok. So it's super important and you have to have a budget for it. You have to dedicate, you know, even if you're a really small brand, you have to figure out what your budget is. You have to figure out how you're going to find content creators, whether you're just going to, you know, DM them directly or whether you're going to use a, a platform. But it's super important to make sure that, that you're working with content creators giving them briefs and getting good content because that's that's how you're going to grow your brand. Yeah, and UGC is evolving from like in the early days. It was like, oh, let's just talk to our customers. You know, they tagged us on Instagram. Let's just use this. Let's get right to this content, use it on ads. And it's performing, but, you know, UGC is evolving into, that's what we do at Trend. It's evolving into custom content. Like, okay, now I want creative direction over this, you know, because what your customers make, you don't necessarily have full control of the quality of that. And if it works, well, how do I replicate this success? And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, even knowing how to put a brief together, you know, has become a role in itself. So it's certainly something that is difficult to scale. But personally, you know, our bet and, and my belief as well is that if you can nail down the process, it'll bring a better return than paid to post, just generating really good custom content. Absolutely agree. And, and you can use it in so many places too. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D io slash podcast and look for the slack community link to claim your invite we hope to see you on there hey guys one question i had kind of for both of you um because you're both you know have a lot of experience in thinking about the content side of things and for listeners who might be earlier stage right a couple of my friends are super early launching brands maybe don't have as big of a following budget for ads or anything like that. So they're thinking like, hey, let me start gifting some of my product to different influencers, et cetera. What does that process generally look like for people who are at that really early stage? Is it a matter of them just, you know, DMing the people saying like, hey, here's my product. Can I send this to you? What's your address? Or is there a way that, you know, people at the early stage can scale that up a little bit faster? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, fortunately we had connections. So uh, the people that we had connections with is a lot easier and they're, they're kind of more willing to post, but let's say, you know, you didn't have any connections. There's kind of two ways to do it is you can either just send, just DM people 
you want to be authentic, right? Like obviously you want to have a template to make it easier, but you want to be authentic. The more authentic it is, the better. These these people are people too. And like, they're going to respond to your authenticity. So if you tell them, hey, I love your content. I love this piece of content you did. You're going to get a, a much higher chance of them actually reading it and responding. And you can either just say, hey, I'd love to send you content. I'd love you sending some products, no obligation to post. You know, where do you want me to send it? Or another thing you can do if you really want to, and you can experiment with this, is you can kind of say, hey, I'd love to send you content if you'd be willing to post about it. And you kind of have to try either. I'm a much bigger fan of not asking for something and just giving. But what you want to do is to get people to post about it, you have to give them a reason why. So you want to make sure that unboxing experience is incredible. And you want to give them the reason why you're putting something exclusive in there. You're making them, you're appealing to status. So you're making them feel special and they're going to be more likely to to post that. So you have to really think about it. Also, you know, actually one of my friends called me today and, and he just called me to ask one question. He, he said, what motivates an influencer? And I drilled it down to one word and it was alignment. Like just, just find the creator that has alignment with your brand. Like don't just go because of their audience size. If it's forced, it's just not going to work. And I'm sure as you're experimenting with TikTok, the content that's going to take off is you don't expect which one it is, but to increase the chances of success, the more alignment there is, the more likely it is that you'll hit a lot of success with with the seeding process. Cody, another thing that uh, we noticed is you've over over the last while grown a nice little Twitter following and you've been providing a lot of really great different insights, a newsletter on everything D2C, how to grow, et cetera. So what's that process been like for you? How have you thought about like allocating time and building out different resources on Twitter, on social? And what's that process been like? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's been super fun. When I first got on Twitter, it was, it was mostly just to learn and kind of just realize like there's this great community. I mean, I, I used Twitter a while ago and then kind of stopped using it and didn't realize anyone used it anymore. But it's, it's been actually really, really great. I've met so many great people through there, um, made some friends through, through there. We've actually hired people from there, gotten a lot of you know great recommendations. So learned a ton. So it's been really great. But I really didn't start it with any agenda at all. Just started tweeting, started interacting with people learning a ton of content. And then I don't really know how it happened, but you know, just started tweeting and, and just started getting some really good feedback. So I was like, why, why not do a little bit more of this? And obviously it, it's nice. It kind of plays to the ego a little bit when, when people start kind of following you and interacting with the content. But now I'm just trying to see, I mean, my main motivation right now is I'm trying to build our team. So if I can get on podcasts from it, if I can get maybe speak at some events, just build, a, build an audience there. Hopefully whenever we need to recruit somebody, I have a network I have an audience. I really think it's just the biggest leverage that you can have that almost everybody should be building an audience, even if it's not a big one. So people know who you are because if you're looking for a job, you know, like I would much rather hire somebody that I'm familiar with that I've engaged with, you know, and, and kind of know a little bit more about them. If we were raising money, I'd much rather raise money from somebody who's in my network and my audience. So there's just nothing bad that can really come from it. Yeah, especially people that have insight into your your brand, your journey and your story, you know, be surprised how many people even I do interview that probably haven't read our website even before jumping into the job interview. So that already puts, you know, that candidate in a whole nother level, which makes your job easier. And hiring is not an easy task. No, no, exactly. And and especially for an industry like this, it's not a super corporate industry. It's such a new industry. You know, it's I don't think the best people are going to be on Indeed or on LinkedIn. 
I really think the best people are going to be from your network and a lot of times from Twitter. So to me, that's really some of the, you know, if somebody is taking time out, out of their day to go on Twitter and they're just an employee, it's not like they're making money from it. There's a chance that person is really invested in learning and really passionate about it. And to me, that's the kind of employee that you want to hire. You know, I actually just had a thought as you were mentioning that, and I might take a step back before we almost wrap up here, uh, but I can't help myself of asking as a director of e-commerce and with this growth, what is your relationship like with the inventory team? Because you can hit a roadblock there if the scale is too fast. Has that happened? What is that relationship like in that dynamic? Yeah, of course. We we meet weekly. We're usually in communication almost every day, just in Slack, in terms of what's back in stock, what's running low on inventory, especially A, because I'm you know on the acquisition side, but also because I'm actually managing our, our website. It's extremely important. You know, we meet with our product development team. They're very involved in supply chain here as well. It's just so important that, that the team is working together and that you're communicating all the time to make sure everything is just running smoothly. Um, I mean, for example, like we obviously with supply chain stuff going on, we, we had a problem with one of our products that was launching this month and we had to pull a, a huge 180 and kind of pull something out of a hat. And we're, we're always meeting about, hey, like, do we have enough time to launch this? Like, can we get this to our 3PL in time? Can our 3PL kit this in time? So it's just always constant communication. It's got to be. That's a super important way to think about it, especially for brands in the D2C e-commerce space. It's like one of the variables you're solving for is your inventory, is your supply and how things are coming down and if you're ready to be able to sell them, right? So I think that's a really interesting loop. And I think there's also, there's a lot of opportunities there, right? In terms of bringing teams closer together, in terms of, what's happening on the operation side of the business inventory business with marketing as well as like the more downstream impacts like what's happening in your returns versus like how do things that are happening when you're launching a marketing campaign how does that impact your returns or when you're launching you know when you launch a different campaign how is that impacting what people are reaching out to your support team about all that sort of stuff i think there's a ton of opportunity and that's one of the the problems that we're really interested in solving is like how do we tie all these really cross functional teams closer together so that you can get everyone rowing in the same direction so you know so cody's like yeah when i need to run a bunch of ads i know i have the inventory to do it i know i have the support staff that's going to be able to back it up and i know we're going to be able to support the returns and hopefully that return rate is going to be super low and all that. So that I think those are really big opportunities in the e-commerce space just to tie everything a little bit closer together. Do you guys do any retail? No. We well we have our own brick and mortar. We have we have one of our own stores, but we don't we're not in any retail actually. We're doing a pop-up right now in, in Credo, but I don't think that that'll be long-term and I we're trying to hold off on that at least I am. Try to hold off on that for as long as possible just so that we can own all of our distribution own all of our data. And, you know, it's, uh, we, we, we really want to, you know, part of the, the value of being direct to consumer is obviously you have to keep your margin, but more importantly, you, you have to keep your relationship to your customers. And there's no one that has to tell when you're in retail, you have to launch products for retailers. You have to make specific SKUs for them. And sometimes you don't get to make what you really think it's going to be best for the customer. So that's why we're choosing not to be in for now. One thing you had tweeted about, you know, customer experience and how important it is to have like to think about brand in terms of really having a holistic customer experience. And that's something that is amazing in D2C is that you can actually own 
the whole customer experience, right? If you're dealing with distributors or retailers, et cetera, when a customer comes into the store and like your package is like maybe the, the box is blemished or damaged or behind something not placed in the right way, like you don't have any agency over that. And, and the less steps that you can take out of it and for you guys to be able to optimize your product, your packaging, your email communication, and really set those expectations right with the customer. So when they get their product, they know exactly what it is. It's how they expected it. And you own that communication. That to me is really an amazing feeling because you have control, right? Totally. I 100% agree. I, I have no desire to go into retail. Obviously, it's not up to me, but I have no desire to because to me, that's so important is, is you know, building a brand that's just mo- a lot more than just selling a product and being able to, to make a difference in people's lives you know, out, outside of that and being able to just you know, make a difference in their day with amazing CX or, or allowing your marketing to kind of speak to them and making them feel heard. Like You're not doing that in, in retail. So that's why I love direct to consumer. So retail is not in the near future. So I'm curious, you know, what's in the roadmap for Jones Road? What's next? Um, what What are the big targets, and and what do you guys hope to accomplish? Um, you know, this year. Yeah, I mean, I can't say too much in terms of numbers, but you know, we we want to double our growth. We want to do so essentially keeping our our ad spend, you know, fifteen percent or less of our total revenue. So to do that, we've got to figure out you know, organic distribution, you know, most people go into retail for distribution, but you, you lose margin, you lose equity, you no longer own the customer data. We want to keep all of that, but we don't want So essentially what I think most people do, they either go to retail for distribution or they go to venture capital for distribution, stay direct consumer, but then it's all just spent on ads. We want to do it profitably, keep all of our data, keep all of our equity, not dilute at all. And to do that, we've got to learn how to grow or our organic traffic. So what we're going to do is is we're going to build a, a media company. We're going to build a media business. So we're going to just invest in publish, invest in building a team, invest in content. I don't exactly know yet what the form is going to look like for that content, where it's going to live, how we're going to distribute it. That's kind of all in the works right now. But that's really going to be our overall goal is building a publication company, building a content first company that lives alongside our product company. That's really, really important, and especially in a really crowded space. I think what really jumps out at me about your guys' story with Jones Road is that, you know, having an audience to start with, that's like step one, right? So you start with an audience and that gets you off to the races. But then you need to build a great product and a great customer experience to retain that growth and maintain it. But then also where you guys are thinking about the future, it's like, if you were just to keep doing all the same things you're doing, like there's a ton of competition out there. There's a ton of different beauty brands and it's not easy to compete in a super competitive landscape. So being able to think, okay, what's our next step? We want to invest in content. We want to own our distribution. I think that's a really smart way to be thinking about it. It's not easy. It's not, it's, you know what I mean? It's a lot easier to raise a ton of money and then spend a ton on ads or to go retail. So it's not easy. There's not a ton of companies building hundred, two hundred million dollar bootstrapped companies that are, you know, direct consumer, but that's our goal. When you're bootstrapped in the right situation, what's cool is you don't have the pressure of having to go you're you're building for you, right? You don't have the pressure of saying, oh, we need to hit this goal by then. Obviously you have your you want to do it for yourself and your business and you guys want to grow, but you can make that decision and you're not having to justify that to any investment partner, shareholder, et cetera, but yourself. And you can say, no, the best thing for our business right now 
is to invest. We're investing in content, which for a marketer, and I've seen this in a bunch of businesses, it's, it's like, you know, you have two different options. You can take a bunch of capital, pump it into Facebook ads, sure, acquire some customers. But, you know, over time, that's not going to be an investment that really pays you back if you don't have the customer experience to support it. Or you can invest in your content and your things that are, aren't going to necessarily pay you in what you're going to see on your, your Shopify dashboard today. But when you compound that over time, you're going to not only be able to sell the products that you're currently selling, but you'll be able to expand product lines, have greater audience, and continue to deliver the, the customer experience that you're, you're just iterating and improving all the way down the line. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. We're able to build differently. We're able to think a little bit longer term and more holistically because we own everything. And I think that's the goal. I think once you start giving up equity or you give up, you know, control to retailers, you're, you're no longer in control and it's not as much fun. Well, I'm rooting for you guys. I hope, you know, um, the media side is just fascinating to me. That's, that's what I do. I mean, that's what we're doing here at Trend2. You know, with this podcast, we have a lot of big plans that you just build a community um, that is along the ride with you, for the ride with you. And so I hope you guys can set, you know, a precedent and be a case study so we can, you know, change and shape the future of how companies are built and what the relationship of brands is like with, with customers and, and, and change, you know, what the definition of that relationship is. Yeah, I appreciate that rooting for you guys too. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for uh, joining us, Cody. I guess last things, where can the listeners find you? Where are you on social? What's your Twitter handle? Where can they find Jones Road online and any other channels that uh, you want to engage with them on? Yeah. Best place would be Twitter. So most active on Twitter. So at Cody Plof, C-O-D-Y-P-L-O-F. And then if you go to my profile there, if you go to the bio, just launched a newsletter, got three issues, but getting really good feedback on that. So if you're in DTC, definitely check that out. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we love the chat and looking forward to see what's coming next from Jones Road uh, in the next year. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you, Cody. Thank you.